0: CBS Radio Mystery Theater presents... Come in. Welcome. I'm E.G. Marshall. The Book of Records tells us that the longest authenticated age a human being has ever reached... For 113 years somewhere in upstate New York. We read about men and women in certain Asiatic parts of the Soviet Union who are reputed to live to the ripe age of 135. And the Bible records that all the days that Adam lived were 930 years. Have you ever considered what it might be like if by some miracle of circumstance you were to survive beyond the three score and ten allotted to most of us? way beyond.
1: The distilled jaws of the guillotine drip with the finest blood in France. Slaughter them all. Murder them all. How could you have been so clumsy as to let Madeleine de Chenier slip through your bloodstained fingers? How did you let her escape? Lady, you must control yourself. It's all she was too clever. She escaped your horrible machine of death and she lived on and on and on in spite of all of you. She
0: lived. (laughs) Our mystery drama, The Secret of Shen si, was especially written for the Mystery Theater by Arnold Moss and stars Carol Tytel. It is sponsored in part by True Value Hardware Stores and Buick Motor Division. I'll be back shortly with Act One. vital of the history of mankind, we learn of raging floods, rampaging tornadoes, earth-shattering quakes that have wiped out entire cities. We know of volcanoes that in their blazing fury have buried whole civilizations, turned their inhabitants to cinders. What lessons have we learned, if any, from these disasters? Professor Joshua Neal, an historian in his 50s, ...is one of the few men in the world who have dedicated themselves to the study of these catastrophes. It is the 1960s, a time of student unrest on many American campuses. At this moment, Professor Neal is concluding his first session with a group of graduate students. So we ask the question once again, why are we concerned with investigating the calamities of the world, the disasters which have wrought havoc on mankind? Because learning the causes of these catastrophes has advanced our technological knowledge to the point where either similar occurrences cannot or will not happen again, or where we can now manage, control, and in some cases even predict those disasters which cannot yet be completely overcome. Well, are there any questions? Professor Neal? Uh, Tom? Uh... It is, Tom, isn't it? Tom Wing? Yes, sir. What, your question? One thing you haven't mentioned, and it's what fascinates me most about this whole business, is the unpredictable element of what's involved. I'm not sure I follow you, Tom. Well, um, a man is walking along a street. A flower pot is blown by the wind from a sill ten stories above. It strikes the man, it kills him. Or, or half a dozen people who seem to have no connection one with the other, uh, Start to cross a shaky, unsteady rope bridge strung across a deep chasm, the Thornton Wilder's Bridge of the San Luis and the bridge collapses, sending them all to their death. Why? Why was that first man, of all people it could have been, killed? Or those particular six people on the bridge? How do we account for that? Chance? Fate? Accident? What? Well, I think you're asking if there's some master plan, some divine scheme, if you will, beyond our control, which activates a particular disaster and destines certain people to be part of it. Is that your question, Tom? Well, some people seem almost to be drawn into trouble and get hurt. Others walk right into it and nothing happens. And you're asking why? Well, would you venture an answer, Professor Neal? No, Tom, I don't think so. Because if I knew the answer to your question, I'd be sitting in the throne of God himself. And none of us is quite ready for that. See you tomorrow, Tom, at my home. Now then, Tom, would you read that last section of your paper again? But from where, Professor Neal? Uh, go back to where you were talking about the moon shining. Let me see now. Oh, here it is. The moon was shining. A number of the passengers, before turning in for the night, were promenading about the deck, breathing the crisp air. Cool. Mm-hmm. Suddenly they heard a cry from one of the lookouts above. Iceberg! Iceberg ahead! The passengers began to rush toward the bow of the ship. Shall I go on? Oh, please do. A warning bell started to clang. Then another. Then as though someone had scraped a giant fingernail across a huge blackboard, a hair raising sound screeched along the side of the ship. The few passengers who had been walking the deck... Uh, May I come in? Maybe, (laughs) maybe, yes, of course, (laughs) dear.
1: It's half an hour past lunchtime. I brought both of you some sandwiches, a little wine, and a pot of coffee. I'm sorry
0: to interrupt. Well, you shouldn't have troubled. Have you met Mrs. Neilton? Tom? No, I haven't had the pleasure. That's my beautiful young bride of three months. Maybe. Uh, this uh, is Tom Wing, one of my newest graduate students.
1: Oh, how do you do,
0: Tom? How do you do, ma'am?
1: Are you from this part of the country?
0: Oh, one of the first families of Grant Street in San Francisco's oh. sure, <laughs> Chinatown.
1: And not one of the campus troublemakers, I would hope. Hardly. My husband is not overpopular with some of these campus characters. As I'm sure you know, there's a difference of views on university policy.
0: I'm on his side. Oh, thank you, Tom. You can understand my concerns. I think uh, we have some friends in common, Mrs. Neal. Didn't you go to the Playhouse School of Acting? Yes, I did indeed. And wasn't your roommate Kathy Fong? That's right. Your maiden name, or stage name, if I remember, was maybe uh, Mady Chenault, I think. Mm-hmm.
1: Right, maybe so. Well, how do you know all
0: this, Tom? I used to date your wife's roommate. Oh, oh, one of the penalties of marrying an aspiring young actress who's the age of most of your students. <laughs> you dated my, my wife's roommate. Well, shall we get back to work? Why don't you
1: eat something
0: first? a Go, a good idea. Would you join us, yes. maybe?
1: I'd love to, if Tom wouldn't mind.
0: Of
1: course
0: not. What are you looking on? Tom yeah. is trying to reconstruct what happened to a shipload of some very special people people who experienced one of the great calamities of the 20th century. Special only because of who these particular people were and how they reacted to the shock of what most of them felt was certain death.
1: Tom, you're not by any chance investigating the sinking of the steamship Titanic.
0: Yes, he is, maybe. And the original angle is, what happened in strictly human terms to what amounts to a small city of 2,208 people in the three hours after it struck the iceberg on the morning of April 13th, 1912.
1: Interesting, Tom. Very interesting. Only there happened to be 2,207 people on board, and the date, if you'll forgive me, was April 14th, 1912, not April 13th. Well, maybe.
0: You're absolutely amazing.
1: I didn't mean to be rude, Tom.
0: Not at all, Mrs. No, no, amazing, because Tom's figures were wrong and yours are correct. It was the 14th of April. Of course it was. Now, slip of the town. But, lady, how did you know? Oh, darling, some of
1: your great knowledge has rubbed off on me. Oh,
0: I'm proud of you. Well, now, if you please a little more of that loaf of bread, that jug of wine. And now,
1: beside me in the wilderness, <laughs> a little more wine, sir. Oh, thank you. Funny that we should be quoting from the Ruby Act, especially today.
0: Why? Omar Khayyam is an old favorite of mine, you knew that. It
1: was never found, you know. And it never will be. What? It's lost. Forever.
0: What are you talking about? Would Mrs. Neal be referring to that old myth that one of the original copies of the Rubaiyat, beautifully jeweled, inlaid with ivory and precious stones, went down with the Titanic?
1: But it was on board. And it didn't show up with any of the survivors. But, maybe how would
0: you... Tom, shall we get on with your paper? Yeah. Whatever you say, sir. Once the ship struck the iceberg, there was no attempt to keep it a secret. Captain Smith and his first officer, Murdoch, had ordered all women and children onto the boat decks. From that moment on, uncontrolled panic set in. But that's not so, Tom. Huh? There was no
1: panic at all. At least, not in the beginning. There wasn't? As much as half hour after contact with the iceberg or three bridge games were calmly going on in the Café Parisien just below b deck. Dressed in their dinner clothes, the players could hear the eight-piece orchestra mostly strings on the bandmaster... Hartford, wasn't it? No. It was Hartley, Tom. L-E-Y. They were playing...
0: You're my God disease.
1: No. Not at all. Whoever started that myth was some newspaper man, I suppose, looking for a sensational story. Actually... They were playing a medley of the latest drag time
0: hits. What, uh, what happened then, lady?
1: Suddenly, the ship began to lift sharply. An officer entered the cafe and ordered everyone to prepare to abandon ship, but there was no feeling of alarm. Everyone was
0: perfectly controlled. Lady, what on earth is happening to you? You don't sound like yourself. You're even beginning to look different.
1: One of the women went down to take a last look at her little cabin. The beautiful brass bed, the marble washstand, the horsehair armchair. Then, taking nothing with her, none of her jewelry, no purse, no keepsakes, no. Not even her priceless copy of the Rubiat. She proceeded to be there, got into boat, number five, with the other women. In no time, the boat was lowered, and the icy sea spray began to stab at their bodies and to blind their eyes.
0: The Carpathia, the ship that became the rescue ship...
1: What still... At that time, some 58 miles away. So the passengers learned later.
0: And the end of it all, maybe? What was the end of it?
1: The Titanic lay in the water like a dead monster. Suddenly, it rose to a black, perpendicular. The forward funnel toppled into the sea. And in minutes, the Titanic found its grave at a... Bottom of the dark Atlantic. Oh, it
0: hurts. maybe, Maybe are you all right, Mady! Darling, speak to me. Are you all right?
1: Oh, yeah, I'll be fine, Josh. Just help me to the bedroom. I must have some rest, and I must be alone, completely alone.
0: Your face. What's happening to your face? How are you feeling?
1: I, I'm fine, Josh. I'm just fine.
0: Well, what happened?
1: I, I don't know. I, I, I began to feel faint, I guess. I nearly I, I passed out.
0: Oh No, maybe you passed out. Darling, you've been keeping something from me. And you have to tell me...
1: I know all these tales connected with the sinking of the Titanic. Yes. It's all so simple. You see, my my great aunt, my grandmother's sister, a very wealthy Irish lady, was one of the passengers, uh, one of the survivors. She told the story many times in the minutest detail to my mother, who in turn told the story to me. I've heard it so often, it's almost as though I'd actually been there.
0: Of course. And uh, what was your great aunt's name? Her
1: name? Uh, It was Marilyn. Marilyn Cheney.
0: C-H-E-N-E-Y.
1: That's right.
0: Almost the same as your maiden name. Nadie Chenault, Marilyn Shaney. Same initials, too.
1: Coincidence.
0: Nadie. Here is the official list of every survivor and every victim of the Titanic. Furnished by the steamship line and by the British Port of Trade. All in alphabetical order. And? Um... Here. Now, look. Look down these lists. Nowhere can the name of Marilyn Shaney be found as a survivor. (laughs) That can't be. But her name is here. As one of those listed among the missing. For the first time in the few months of his marriage, Joshua Neal, expert in the history of disasters, may be facing the most unusual occurrence he has ever encountered. A set of circumstances that could spell the kind of calamity he's never had reason to investigate before. How to explain this disturbing behavior on the part of his young wife? And where will it all lead? You know the answer, of course. Naturally. To act two. Man has always been intrigued by tales of the destruction brought about by the uncontrolled wrath of nature, the unplanned, the unanticipated, the sudden, tornadoes, hurricanes, fires, floods. Joshua Neal, student and scholar of these world disasters, has just come across an event in his personal life that holds a most disturbing threat.
1: Marilyn Cheney was my grandmother's sister. She was on the maiden voyage of the Titanic. And
0: she survived. According to the official, authentic list of the survivors, Marilyn Shaney disappeared with the ship. And her body was never found. Well,
1: I don't know what the list says. She
0: survived. And she was picked up by the rescue ship, the Carpathia, hmm? and landed safely in New York a few days later. I suppose so. Well, what happened to her after that? Why
1: are you asking me all these questions?
0: And some. From... Unaccountable way this afternoon, you seem to know just about everything there was to know about what went on that night on the Titanic. What happened in the lifeboats, everything, everything, down to the smallest, most insignificant
1: detail. Is that so surprising? I've been coming into your library, spending my afternoons reading your books. There's nothing wrong with that, is there?
0: Of course not. But not only do you seem to remember some of the most triviality. My
1: training as an actress. I don't have to try. Yes. I have a, a, a photographic
0: memory. But you're taking on the character as it were of your Irish great aunt Marilyn Shaney even sounding the way she must have her voice, her speech, the slight lilt of her dialect. My
1: talent as an actress.
0: All right then, one last question. At the end of your telling about those last hours on the Titanic, you lost consciousness.
1: But not for so long.
0: As you came to You asked me to help you here into the bedroom where you insisted on being alone, completely alone, for over an hour. And? What happened in that hour? I...
1: I don't think I understand, Josh.
0: An hour ago, when I placed you here on the bed, something had happened to you. Your features seemed to have changed. You didn't quite look like yourself as you do now.
1: I haven't the slightest idea what you're talking about, Josh. Are you... You're all right.
0: Yes, I'm fine. I'm concerned about you.
1: You're being silly, dear. Look, uh, look, uh, maybe I do need a little air. Forgive me. I'm going out for a turn around the block.
0: Hello? Is Dr. Moran in? This is Joshua Neal. Thank you. Carlos, Josh Neal, on oh, my health is fine, Carlos, I told you about maybe my wife. I want you to see her, complete physical checkup. Well, I'm not sure, Carlos, but something very peculiar seems to be happening to her, something I can neither explain nor understand. <laughs> done exactly what you've asked, Josh. I've gone over Matty from head to toe. Just about every test known to modern medicine. <laughs> You're a lucky man. And you found nothing extraordinary, nothing at all. One or two little things that stumped me. Otherwise, you have not only a beautiful wife, but a healthy one, physically. Well, what was it that puzzled you? Oh, nothing really important. A little matter of keratosis. Of what? A form of what we call... Plasma. The little brown spots you see on the skin of older people, on the back of their hands, on their temples, very often. You know them as liver spots. I never even noticed them on Mady. Well, she has them. And in a woman in her twenties, that's quite unusual. But certainly nothing to be concerned about. A minute ago, you said that Mady was physically healthy. Were you implying cause? I was implying nothing. But from what you told me about Yesterday afternoon, I think maybe we ought to look a little bit beyond the purely physical. Mm -hmm. Carlos, I know that you're very deep into the occult, into psychic phenomena, even reincarnation, all of that. I never said I believe in any of it. I like to keep my options open to the possibilities. For a man of science, that's fair enough. Every once in a while, Josh, something happens that science, medical science included, just can't explain. This uh, whole business of the Titanic. This is the first time anything like that ever happened? First time. Did anything unusual take place before she started to take on the character of this older woman? No, nothing I can recall. She didn't seem to be going into a state of what you might call a trance of some kind. No, it all happened quite naturally. And at the end? I told you, she fainted. And when she came to, she looked different. How different? Her eyes, the expression on her face, the, the general feature seemed actually to have changed. She could almost have been another woman. An older woman? Josh, I want to think about this. In the meantime, in the next few days, if you can, uh, try to get her involved in the discussion of another disaster. See if it triggers her into anything like what happened with the Titanic episode. If it does, I want you to observe everything that happens, down to the smallest detail, everything. But what if nothing happens? I have an uncanny feeling, Josh, that something will. A little more wine, Carlos. Oh, I believe I will, thank you, Maybe. Oh, what a wonderful evening, Mrs. Benn. Our oh, pleasure. I never realized what a great collection of fine wines you have. Oh, it's not very big. I couldn't afford it. But I do have a few good ones. For very special people. Oh, let's see. The white right was...
1: Pansouzi uh, uh... and the red right, uh, Chateauneuf de Pape. Uh, What was the
0: year, Josh? Uh, As you can see, Carlos, Mady's a lovely woman, but her French is not one of her (laughs) strong points. (laughs) Stop
1: teasing
0: me about it. I've liked French three times before I gave up completely. Oh, nobody's perfect, Mady. You know, I'm glad, Josh, that the situation on campus seems to have quieted down a little. It may be the calm before a very troublesome storm. I hope you're wrong, dear. Like me. Avalanche that comes hurtling down the mountain with almost no warning. Oh,
1: now, stay out of Josh's territory, Carlos. <laughs>
0: of course. Well, hey, you know, there's one thing about your calamities, Josh, that has always intrigued me. And that is? What do you suppose it is that draws people into areas and situations where, sooner or later, disaster has to strike? Where the risk of death is almost inevitable? It's not always... Easy to say.
1: Could it be that many of them feel they have little or no
0: choice? You mean like the people who live at the foot of Mount Vesuvius or Mount Etna? Knowing that any day the whole thing could suddenly blow up and pour its destruction right into their laps? And still they stay? Is that what you mean? Where else could
1: they go? It's their home.
0: Uh, that's not what I mean. I'm talking about those who do have a choice. Who seem to be drawn into some of the weirdest situations only because they see the danger as some sort of a tremendous challenge.
1: Are there such people?
0: I think there are. And they keep on repeating their experiences every chance they get. Surely am you're not serious, Carlos. In any event, neither Nadine nor I are looking for that kind of challenge here on campus. And I suppose we should be grateful for whatever period of peace our young friends out there are gracious enough. To... <laughs> what was that? <laughs> it looks like a Rock hurled right through the window. Well, I guess that's the end of peace.
1: It always begins the same way. I
0: suppose this is meant to be some kind of a warning.
1: First come the rocks, and then the paving blocks they tear up out of the narrow, cobbled streets.
0: What, what cobbled streets?
1: And it ends with bleeding heads stuck onto the points of their sharp pikes, they call their liberté poles, and there's no way to stop them. Maybe... What are you saying? Now stop it! Stop it! Take your filthy hands from me! Let
0: her alone, Josh
1: exactly what I've been hoping for. Oh, during the rabble of your revolution, the scum of old Paris, sing your vulgar songs, overturn the throne of the beloved Louis XVI, of Marie Antoinette, scream your cries of liberty, egalité, fraternité, till your throats are dry with your
0: screaming. That's the way she was the last time. What? It might be dangerous to
1: stop her. Oh, you were so thorough, all of you, but you missed one prize, a real prize. How oh, were you so clumsy to let Madeleine de Chigny La Narquise Ramboyer escape? How oh, did you let... Slipped through your bloodstained fingers.
0: What was that name? Madeleine de Chénier. That's
1: qu'elle était trop sage, Too clever for you swine. now she escaped your horrible machine of death. And she lived on and on and on. In spite of all of you, she lived.
0: Carlos, yes. help me. She's passed out. came too, Carlos. She insisted on being alone, just like the last time. Why? I wish I knew. And you saw how her features changed. I did. She's been in there almost an hour. Carlos, what do you make of it? I'm not sure. I'm not ready to say. I've I've read about cases of multiple personalities where people see themselves as more than a single person. Is that what you think could be wrong with me? Could be. In other words... Madie is Madie, and then she becomes this Irish lady on the Titanic, this Marilyn Chaney, and then she invents or becomes Madeleine de Chenier, a Marquise, at the time of the French Revolution. Both of them with almost the same name as hers, the same initials. Three different personalities, three different people. We'll be lucky, Josh, if there are only three. <laughs> at a point of crisis. Most crises, like the disasters that he knows so well, seem to have a disturbing sameness to them. Most of them are unpredictable, and at the same time, most of them have a certain inevitability about them, as though they were, in a sense, predestined, as though they just had to be, which is of grave concern and deeply distressing to Professor Neal. I'll be back shortly with Act Three. It's uncommon for a person to marry without revealing to his partner every small, unpleasant detail of a secret past. A long-forgotten affair of the heart, perhaps, or a childish prank committed long ago in which one takes little pride. The past has a happy way, quite often, of burying its own dead. But in many a marriage, since we live in time, the past can often become the most momentous part of the present, as Joshua Neal is soon to discover. Maybe listen to me, please. I think you're in some kind of trouble. And all I'm trying to do is to help. I am not in trouble. And I don't need anybody's help. Will you answer a few last questions, please? This this French Revolution thing, like with the Titanic, you made it sound so real, you became so involved with what must have happened. One would think that... One
1: would think what?
0: Well, now, look, maybe let's face it. You don't speak French, right? No. But as you spoke of the reign of terror of the 1790s in Paris, you spoke French fluently. You pass out, you come to, you demand to be alone, and an hour later, everything's normal.
1: What's the problem?
0: Well, first, these things seem to happen only when some world-shaking disaster is involved. Why? Second, No, oh, no, no, no. Please, let me go on. In that hour, when you're alone, why do you insist on being alone? And what happens to you during that hour?
1: That's a lot of questions. They trouble me. Josh. Josh, do you love me?
0: of course I love you. You know that. How can you ask?
1: I must be sure. Because you're the first man in my life. The only man that I have ever truly loved. I think.
0: Well, I'm glad. But why do you say, I think?
1: I, uh can't be absolutely sure. I can't always remember. Something is troubling me. Something very serious. Let me help. No, you can't. Nobody can. You must be patient with me. You must trust me. Oh, what's this? I have no
0: idea. Oh, those canvas troublemakers again. Could well be. I'll take a look. Oh, oh don't
1: open the door. Look through the window. It, it might be a trick. Just be careful. Don't
0: worry. Tom. Which Tom would Come in, Tom. Gung hei, Fat joy. What? Gung hei, Fat joy. Happy Chinese New Year to both of you. Is that what that means? What you just said. More or less. And a happy New Year to you, too, Tom. Thank you. I brought you both a little gift to celebrate the first day of this year of the horse. Oh, how
1: sweet of you, Tom. What is it?
0: Well, open it. Oh, no. No. Oh, it's a beautiful little porcelain horse. Look at it, matey. Tom, you shouldn't have. It's supposed to bring you speed, perseverance, and not that either of you need any more than you have. Intelligence. Good old horse sense, right? <laughs> and long life.
1: Oh, it's that sound
0: again. Oh, firecrackers. Three Chinese students on campus have got together to observe the new year. Firecrackers? That's what that noise is. Of course. Some of the guys picked up a dragon's head somewhere, paper mache, and uh, they're snaking their way all around the campus. If, uh, you'll both excuse me, I'm going to join my friends in the festivities. Thank you for coming, Tom, and thanks for the little white horse. Gong hei, fat choy. Gong hei,
1: fat choy.
0: She's in the bedroom, Carlos, resting. You said on the phone that there was an emergency. Well, there might be. She's upset about something. Something's on her mind, and that's why I called you. All right, to go into her? I think so. lady. Good evening.
1: Oh, hello, Carlos. Uh, To what do we owe the pleasure of your company?
0: Just plain boredom. I thought I'd drop by and beat your husband at a game of chess. What's that little porcelain horse you've got in your hand?
1: A gift from one of Josh's students.
0: Oh, the Chinese kids are putting on quite a show this year. I wish they'd stop. That's a wonderful way they have of keeping up the traditions of their ancestors. Small link in a civilization, a way of life that's lasted an awfully long time. Why do you say that? Reminds me a little of those enormous sea turtles we saw last year in the Caribbean. Do you remember? I remember. Huge beasts, Carlos. Some of them measured over five feet from head to tail. Hundreds of pounds. And their estimated age, imagine over three hundred years. Amazing. All the redwood trees in California, thousand years old or or more. These and the sea turtles, and those young people out there with their dragon dancing, they're some of the few living ties to the past, the history. Maybe it would be better if they would
1: all die. What? Maybe.
0: What are you saying? The trees are useless. The
1: turtles do nothing but blink away forever in the tropical sun. The students outside are accomplishing nothing. And as it will to the trees and the turtles, the time will come when their lives will also end. And perhaps it will be better so. Maybe. Because sooner or later, their flesh will grow like fungus on a bamboo tree. Their hair fall from their heads. Their teeth blacken and drop from their mouths. Because they could not learn to live forever. They could not learn to remain eternally young. They could not learn to avoid the pain and horror of growing old. The
0: face is changing. It's becoming oriental. Go on, Josh.
1: It happened, you know. Once. Only once. In the entire history of the world. Only one person discovered the secret.
0: Who was that person?
1: Where did it happen? Over 400 years ago, during the Ming Dynasty, in the province of Shanxi in northwest China. The birthplace of all things the Chinese are so proud of porcelain, textiles, painting, the brilliant colors of enamels on grains. The cradle of China, it was called. Until that day, And the cradle of China became its grave.
0: Its grave?
1: January 24th, in the year 1556, by the calendar of the West. New Year's Day, the year of the horse. The same dancing, the same firecrackers. And it was the end. That was the day. The earth trembled and spat up its insides
0: over all of Hensi. She's absolutely right. 1556. That was the most destructive quake the earth has ever known. Over 800,000 people were
1: killed. those who perished was the wisest man in all China. The ancient philosopher Han Cheng. It was he who, along with the most lavish gifts, taught the most precious secret on earth to his young granddaughter, One of the few who survived the upheaval of the earth. The secret?
0: What secret? Who was she, this granddaughter? What was the secret she learned?
1: The maiden bore the name Mei Cheng.
0: Mei Cheng?
1: And the secret the old man whispered to her...
0: Yes? Was?
1: That death does not have to be... That one can learn how to turn away from the dust and clay of the earth. To gaze upward with the eagles toward the clear, clean heavens and... and? To live a life unending. Listen to me. Carefully, both of you. The lady on the Titanic.
0: Marilyn Chimney.
1: The Marquise de Rambouillet,
0: Madeleine de Cheney.
1: And May Yes?
0: Yes? All a different personalities that you, in some way, for some reason, imagine yourself to be. Personalities that something forces you to invent, to dream up, right?
1: No, Carlos. Wrong. Very wrong. Wrong? I have invented nothing. I have not dreamed up a thing. At one time or another, I actually was every one of those women, and a good many others besides.
0: And maybe I... I... I found
1: it hard to grasp what you're saying. I was born in Shenzhen Province in China, next to the Great Wall in the year 1540. Over 425 years ago. At the age of 16, I received three precious gifts from my grandfather, Han Cheng. A little white porcelain horse. A rare manuscript of the Ruby Art of Omar Khayyam, given to him by some traveler from the West. And the most priceless gift of all, the secret of eternal life and unending youth.
0: You expect us to believe that?
1: For all these hundreds of years, I have wandered from one country to another, taking on the manners, the language, the appearance of women of that country. I was on the Titanic. I lived through the days of the French Revolution, all these happenings. I was there.
0: Carlos, you've got to help us.
1: No, I am not mad. I am as sane as either one of you. Through the centuries, I, I have been drawn to all these world disasters, their challenges, their excitement, because I knew that I was not vulnerable to their destructive powers. I knew that I was the one person on Earth who had conquered death.
0: But even if what you say is true, oh, maybe maiden... Please, don't try to
1: humor me, Josh. It's true. Carlos nearly exposed my secret when he couldn't explain away the liver spots of an old woman on my hands and face. Am I right, Carlos? I
0: suppose. Uh...
1: You need more proof here, Josh. Hold this little porcelain horse for a moment.
0: What is that? What did you got there?
1: One of the rarest treasures of the world. A copy of the manuscript of Omar's poems written in Shiraz in ancient Persia in the year 1342, given to me by Han Chang, my grandfather. And it did not go down with the Titanic any more than I did.
0: Maybe a moment ago you said the routine was about to change. Now, what did you mean by that?
1: I love you, Josh. I love you as deeply and as completely as any woman ever loved a man. I want to stay needing you. To put an end to my wandering through time. Let me... Let me have that little porcelain horse, dear. Yes? Yeah. It's identical to the one my grandfather gave me all those years ago. Maybe don't. maybe. what have you done? That's the end. Final. And know that the horse is no more. I too, one day shall be no more.
0: What's happening to her, Josh? Do you see what I see? The skin is beginning to look like dark, bloated parchment. Her eyes are being covered with a milky film. Her teeth are blackening in her mouth. She's shrinking, getting smaller and smaller. She's turning into a tiny bundle of an old lady, no bigger than a little Chinese dog. Lady. Oh,
1: who are you calling? Not what
0: you're doing. Stop it, please. You're growing older and older right before our eyes.
1: She's dying. I didn't think it would work so quickly or start so soon. But nature, I suppose, will now take its course. Omar Trian said it. Once dead, we shall never return. Never, Josh. Never, never, never.
0: As Joshua Neal watches his beautiful young wife suddenly shrivel into a mummy-like wisp of an ancient Chinese lady, and as she breathes her last, he turns the pages of the yellowed manuscript of the quatrains of Omar Khayyam and reads... Strange is it not that of the myriad who before us passed the door of darkness through, not one returns to tell us of the road which we must travel to. There must be many among us who feel we would like to live longer than the threescore and ten years allotted to us who might even like to live forever. And it may not be completely unreasonable to expect that someday we may indeed learn the secret of willing ourselves into creating a life without death. So the next time you sit next to a pretty young girl or a handsome young man on a bus, take a good look for liver spots. Who knows, he or she may just happen to be a youngster who is 500 years old. Our cast included Carol Teitel, Arnold Moss, and Bob Caliban. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. And now, a preview of our next tale. Now you know. I know nothing. What I saw was a handsome young gentleman, his hands crossed in his cane, dressed in fine, old-fashioned clothes. I was surprised when he left the pew. No one else saw him. What? Oh, but he was as plain as day to you and to me, not to anyone else. To them, he was invisible.
1: You must not tell anyone.
0: Is—is Is this the horror that you said you and I would share? Yes.
1: You're the only person in the world
0: who could see him. And you, Mrs. Marston. Oh. Me, of course. What does it mean? It's my curse. Mrs. E. G. Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time, pleasant dreams.